If it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Am I right, man? Where are my people at? No? No? Yeah, right? Um, do everything in excess, right? I'm an all gas, no, but you guys got quiet, man. I thought we were pumped about this. No, no, man, all gas, no brakes. You guys are like, no, that's why I'm here. That's why I got to go to recovery. Um, me too, me too. Um, I'm one of those guys that um, moderation, I struggle with moderation. It's one of those things that um, it's challenged me my entire life. To this day, like I have, if I'm taking Sudafed, where are all my former tweakers at? Um, Right, I, I can't. I gotta be careful, like, cause I'll take one Sudafed one day, cause I'm sick, and then the next day I'm like, I'll take another, right? Uh, and it's like not even doing anything to me, but it's just something in my mind that's broken um, that I have to watch out for. And and I I remember this when I quit drinking, man, it was sweets. I love sugar. Um, I hated sugar when I was an alcoholic, but afterwards it was like all oh, the sugar. I bought five pound bags of like Sour Patch Kids. Did you know they sell those? It's phenomenal. I just grab handfuls of them. I bought entire cheesecakes, right? And I wouldn't just eat a piece of cheesecake. I would eat the whole cheesecake because that's the way I roll, right? That's, that's, that's what we're about. That's the American dream, right? If, if one is good, two is, it's better, right? I mean, that's what we live for, right? If one is good, two is better. Two is better, or at least that's what we think at times. That's what our flesh tells us, right? But it's a lie. It's a lie, right? That's that fight for overindulgence. And then we've convinced ourselves that we deserve it right? We deserve it. We work hard. We work hard, right? And, and we're good people. We deserve to splurge a little bit, right? And so one is, is good, two is better. And we lean into it hard, right? Because we, we've worked for it. We've earned it. I know this, I exercise and I've started getting into that. And the problem is the more I exercise, the more I think I can overeat. Um, it's like, I've earned it, right? <sighs> I ran today. I totally deserve an entire cake. Um, because, you know, if one piece is good, two is better, the whole thing, that's perfect, right? Um, but that's the fight for overindulgence. And what I want to talk about tonight is that tendency that we have, right? We want to pursue, we want to pursue the, the cravings of our flesh, right? And we want, to, we want to satisfy those things. And not only do we want to, we think that we deserve to. We think that somehow we've earned it, that somehow that, that, that's the dream, right? To, to meet every craving, every desire, to want for nothing. Can even tell you how many times I've just sat there and daydreamed about a life of wanting for nothing. Every, every desire of my soul met. But it's the wrong fight. It's not the fight that God's called us to. It's a lie. It's straight from the pits of hell. Man, to distract us, to drag us into depravity, right? To, to keep us stuck, to keep us trapped, to keep us far from God. And so tonight, I want to talk about that fight. And so we've all heard, we've all heard that too much of a good thing is bad. And we know it, yet we ignore it. But God's word agrees, Proverbs 25, 16, real simple. It says this, do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it'll make you sick. Man, could every addiction be summed up with that, right? Um, too much of a good thing is bad. Too much of a bad thing is terrible. And self-indulgence is feeding the passions of the flesh. And overindulgence takes these things to an unhealthy extreme and to a sinful place. There's some of these things that done in moderation, they're not too bad. But, but when we take the brakes off and when we step on the gas... 
I see you, I know you, I'm you, right? When we do that, we're in dangerous territory, right? We're, we're not in a good place. We're not in a good place. We've stepped into overindulgence. We've stepped into sin, right? We've been, we start creating idols out of these things. It replaces what God should be in our lives. It, it becomes a distraction. It becomes unhealthy. It becomes detrimental. Peter said this in his epistle, 1 Peter. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Peter does something here, very important that I want to point out um, in this. Um, first, he says this, that there were temporary residents, foreigners in this place. And so as Christians, when we give our lives to Jesus, right, and, and we're recreated spiritually, we no longer belong to the world, that, that we're foreigners. You know what? We're, we're guests. We're guests in this place. I know growing up... Um, we didn't have a lot. Um, there was already five of us running around in the house. And, and when people came over, our friends, they didn't have something that me and my siblings had. My siblings and I had refrigerator rights. Guests did not, right? They could not just help themselves to anything. And so when Peter's talking about kind of this, this foreigners, we're foreigners, it's kind of saying like, those things aren't for you anymore, right? That, that, that's, that, that was, that's for the people trapped in the world, right? Still slaves to sin, but we've stepped out of that. When we begin to center our recovery around Jesus, we're foreigners here. We're foreigners here. And we need to start acting like that, that that's not for us. That's not for us. And in the second part, he says that wage war against your very souls. He lets us know that these things battle for our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. Right? They trap us. That they weren't for us to begin with. We helped ourselves anyways. We fell into self-indulgence, which led to overindulgence, which led to a battle of our mind that, that takes us over and battles for our very soul. It eclipses every good thing that God's trying to do. We sacrifice things we shouldn't sacrifice. We pursue things we shouldn't pursue. We give it all up for things that we shouldn't have messed with in the first place. Again, we are like guests. And we need to begin to realize that, that these things, the stakes are high. These desires that become self-indulgence, they come in all shapes and sizes. And, and we know the obvious ones, right? Um, we, we see the people that, that struggle in active addiction and we can point them out. And the people that are, you know, find themselves in, in situations on the street. And there's these moments where we see where it's obvious. But perhaps for most of us, the most dangerous Overindulgences are the ones that appear outwardly respectable. These are insidious because it's not the actions themselves that are sinful, but the heart motives in doing them. So we may appear to do good by secretly indulging in pride, greed, gluttony, negligence, lack of love, right? When we talk about overindulgence, it's not all about pornography and gambling and sex and drugs and alcohol. Maybe you work too much because you're greedy. Maybe you're prideful and, and you leverage your position and, and your authority over people you think you're better than them. We can step into all of these things, these things that our flesh crave. They're not for us. We're called to fight for something else and, and these things overtake us. 
And I think this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew, starting in verse, uh, or chapter 23, verse 25. Um, and he says this, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. You were so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you were filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. How many of us have washed all the muck off on the inside, but inside we harbored decay? We're still not healthy here in the heart where God calls us to be cleansed. It's still stony and hard. We go through the motions. We show up here. We stand in worship. We're good Christians. And we go home and we satisfy those cravings and those desires. We overindulge, but it's cool because I'll be here on Sunday morning, right? But he goes on and he says, you, you blind Pharisees. First, they first, first, got quiet in here. First, wash the inside of the cup in the dish and then the outside will become clean too. See, we get it backwards. We present ourselves as holy and good and, and, and clean. And, and I did this for years. My sister can attest, and you have a conversation with her. I, I was the one that showed up every Sunday without fail. I served and I was in here without fail. I showed up to every event that the church did. I was present. I had a smile. I gave things. Motives were all wrong, right? I wanted money from the church. I had a business. I wanted them to buy things for me. I wanted people to think that I was good. I wanted to find women. I wanted to find respect. I don't know, right? My, it was so messed up. It was all backwards, and the outside looked great, and the inside was a wreck, and everything I did was motivated by self-indulgence to a place of overindulgence, to a place of sin, and a place of destruction, and even after being in the church for years, I was depressed, I was unhappy, I was far from God, I was so broken until I let God wash the inside let him change the motives of my heart. I stopped worrying about the outward appearance. I started being open with people and saying, I struggle in addiction. <laughs> this is a facade. Everything you've seen for the last five years is a joke. That's not me. And started being open and honest and I let God do a work in me. So we get it backwards. We present ourselves as holy, but harbor the decay inside. So denial, I want to talk about that self-indulgence. I want to talk about the flesh. I want to, I want to talk about the things that you do in secret that, that I don't know about, I don't see, and you think you don't need to worry about, right? Because you show up here. You do the outward motions. I want to talk about those things that have your flesh, that have you. I want to talk about these overindulgences. And so I want to start tonight by by setting us up with a passage from Hebrews. We're gonna be in Hebrews 4, 14. And I think this is essential to the second part. The second part, we're gonna be in a, um, just a couple passages of Matthew. There's not a lot to this, but starting in Hebrews 4, 14, it says, so then, since we have a high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. And so it's important to understand that, that one of the things that Jesus did was not just to give you fire insurance, right? To save you from damnation 
vacation or, or whatever it is that you're convinced that you were going to get out of this deal, right? Um, but it was more than that. He's a great high priest, which says so much because that means he intercedes on our behalf with God, right? And what we see here in verse 15, it says this high priest, say this high priest, this high priest of ours understands, say understands. I can't tell you how often I thought that God didn't understand a dang thing I was going through, right? How could he? How could he understand my alcoholism, my drug addiction, right? My lust of my soul and those desires. But this great high priest of ours, it says right here, he understands our weaknesses. He understands. And I'm not talking about understands and like, oh man, you poor soul, right? No, he understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do yet did not sin, right? He understands because he came down to this place, right? God in a body manifested as man, fully God, fully person, experienced life through the same eyes we experienced life. He was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, right? And just as we were tempted, he knows and understands. He knows and understands. And so when we look at this, point number one is we need to realize that Jesus understands our struggles. And I think we convince ourselves that he doesn't, right? That, that he's gonna turn away from us. We can't be open and honest. We can't be open and honest with the people at church and we can't be open and honest with God. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat there and, and this is the, the ridiculous part. We know deep down that he knows, but we can't say it out loud. We can't even go to him in prayer because we think for some reason he'll turn his back on us that he won't love us, that he'll be distant. But we serve a God that understands and we need to realize that he understands our struggles. He's sympathetic. He, he wants to walk with you and journey with you. And in verse 16, he says, so let us come boldly, say boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, say mercy. And we will find his grace, say grace to help us when we need it most. And so if we understand that he understands our struggles, if we stop running from him and start to run towards him in these moments, right, where, where we're giving in to indulgence, where we're giving in to our flesh, where we're overdoing it, and, and we realize that God is sympathetic, that he understands, that he can journey with us. And if we go to him, we receive mercy and grace, it changes everything, right? Because we no longer have to carry the burdens on our own. You know, God's word tells us that if we come to him, his burdens light, right? Take upon us his yoke, it's easy to bear. And we think it's gonna be burdensome. But God wants to lift the weight off of us, right? He wants to deal with what we're struggling with. And point number one is we need to realize Jesus understands our struggles. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew 16, Verse 24 through 26, we're going to be here for the next two points, just a couple of passages. And starting in verse 24, he says this, that then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Again, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. And so as we understand, when we realize that Jesus understands where we're at, that, that he's not only willing, but able, capable of journeying with us through all of those dark places. We have to realize that we must deny, deny ourselves and follow him. We gotta realize that he, he can journey with us in those moments that he wants to. And, and we see that we've gotta turn away 
you know, modern culture tells us that we can take all of those broken places with us into the church, which we can, right? We don't need to be clean, but it tells us that we can keep them. That, that we can go through all of this without changing anything about us. That's the lie. That's the lie. That, that God, that Jesus, our high priest, understands our struggles, again, wants the journey with us in them. And he loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want to keep you that way. I mean, he doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't want you to stay in addiction. Can you come to him boldly in it? Absolutely. Please do, right? He, he understands. But as you come to him, you've got to come to this realization that there has to be a point in time where you deny yourself, where you deny the cravings of the flesh, right? That, that if it's addiction, that you say no more. That it's stop cherry picking and making excuses to keep getting high. It's no more. I'm done with this. Stop telling yourself that, that you can continue to drink and follow him. That, that he wants you to deny yourself, your, your desires, and place his above them. That, that when we see these indulgences and these overindulgences, right, we have to come to that place where we say, God, is your will, not mine. And so we take up our cross, deny ourselves. We must give up our own way and take up your cross and follow me. And that's where it's sacrificial, right? The cross is the place that things go to die. And as we take up our cross, it's saying, I, I'm dying to self, I, it's me, I no longer live, but, but it's Christ who lives in me, right? And as we come to that, that realization and that place and our walk and our faith, it begins to deal with the overindulgence, right? The, the, the desire to satisfy our needs all the time. Our entire perspective changes. It was when I began to realize this that, that I no longer struggled with wanting to get higher drunk, that I no longer struggled with wanting to chase women, that, that God dealt with those things, right? In any time, any of those things even remotely get close, I go to God and I pray and say, God, I'm getting on the altar. I want to take up my cross. I'm, I'm denying that, God. Kill this sinful thought in me. Help me take it captive. And we got to realize again, we must deny ourselves and follow him. He continues in verse 25. He says this, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything more valuable than your soul? And so point number three is we need to understand what hangs in the balance. That if we come into the presence of God, and we think that we can call ourselves children of God, call ourselves Christians, and continue to overindulge in the things of the world, right? To continue to pursue those things and to continue to give in to every fleshly craving and try to hold on to the old life that we came to him with, we'll lose it all. We can't. It, 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 you can't ride the fence on this. That, that we have to say, God, take, take everything. I, I'm no longer going to hold on to this. It's yours. I'm no longer going to play with fire over here. God, it's yours. 
We've got to let it go. And as you begin to come to that place, again, denying yourself, taking up the cross, dying to all of it, those things that you find yourself struggling with in self-indulgence time and time again, over time, God begins to deal with them. It may be one at a time, right? It's the beauty of, of sanctification. God changes us over time. But one problem at a time, man, God just, he can make it so much better. And, and he, can, he can deal with it. But if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to say, God, have everything but this, eventually this comes back to haunt you. It'll burn it all down. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And point number three, again, we need to understand what hangs in the balance. It's not a matter of fun. It's not a matter of joy. It's not because Jesus is trying to keep you from something. It's because he wants to give you something better. Those cravings of the flesh, those cravings of the world, they have nothing to offer. They're waging war right now for your very soul. And we have to come to a place where we surrender it all and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I want you to do this. Now, just right where you're at, if you would bow your heads, if you close your eyes, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit just to reveal anything in your life that's being done um, being overdone or in unhealthy excess. And I love this. Psalms 139, 23 through 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I just want you right now in this moment to make that psalm your prayer. God, point out anything in me that offends you. Is there anything that, that I'm overindulging in that's just self-indulgence, the pursuit of my flesh? Anything, God. Anything that offends you. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you boldly, <laughs> that we can enter your presence, Lord, that we can bring all of our brokenness, all of our baggage before you. And Father, it doesn't cause you to turn your back on us, it doesn't surprise you, but even with all of that mess, Lord, even with all of that mess, God, you understand you understand our struggles. It's not only that you're not indifferent, Father, but you're able to, to empathize with us. And so, Father, as we come to you, Lord, I pray that you would reveal things to us that are not from you, that are pursuits of our flesh, our desires. Point out those things in us, Lord, that offend you. And give us the strength and the courage, Lord, as you, as you say that right there, help us to deny ourselves in those moments, to take up our cross and say, Lord, as much as I want to hold on to that, no more, I'm following you. Lord, as much as I want to make excuses for that, 
no more. I'm following you. I'm giving it all up. I'm yours. I'm yours. And so, Father, help us to see those things and help us to have the strength and the courage to follow you along the path of everlasting life. And we thank you for that. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. I say, what's the application, right? We want to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so we've got a couple action steps for you tonight. Number one is this, practice moderation and do not confuse wants with needs. Moderation is a hard thing. Uh, it's not easy, right? The, the body wants what the body wants, but that, that's a part of this. It wasn't just... Again, that, that fire insurance or so that you didn't have to worry about, you know, something down the road. It was for now. Begin to deny yourself in pursuit of God. Practice moderation. Do not confuse wants with needs. Number two, learn to live modestly and avoid excess. Don't allow desires to become idols. There's things that on the outside, they look fine, but you know. Ask God to reveal, is this something where I've, I've fallen into sin? And number three, reflect on the areas of your life that you have a difficult time practicing moderation and pray and ask God for help. We can't do it without him. As we face these temptations, as we face these struggles, we need him to give us the strength and the courage. We need his Holy Spirit, right, to give us those fruits in our lives to navigate these things. You can't do it without him. And so pray and ask him for help. In all of this, everything we talk about, again, it, it's centered around him. If you're struggling with overindulgence and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, that's your main problem right there. That's the main problem. And so I want to encourage you tonight that if that's you, you've never made Jesus Lord of it all, that tonight you make that, make tonight the night, right? That you make that greatest decision. In just a moment, we're going to have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you. Um, it leads you into a relationship with him where you realize that, that you can't save yourself, that you need him and that he can. And then if you're in here and you've done that, you've gotten off track, we want to, we want to pray for you too. We want, to, we want you to come back home. He said, can I do that? Absolutely. We serve a God of second chances, third chances, whatever you need. And then if you just need to grab a white chip and if you're like, what is that? It's, it's just acknowledging that God's been pointing out things to you and you're just acknowledging that you're gonna surrender that to him. It's for you. I wanna encourage you here in just a moment to step out of your seats, to act in faith, knowing that God's gonna move when you move and to come down here and pick up one of these chips and say, God, this is yours. There's a blank space. You can write the date on it, whatever you need, but just know that you've turned that over to him. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. If you're in here and you just want somebody to pray with you, we would love to pray with you and for you. So for any of those things, give your life to Jesus for the first time to recommit, to pick up a white chip or just to receive prayer. We want to encourage you to step out of your seat and come down front. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.